The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Tuesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with David Faber here at Post 9 of the New York Stock Exchange. Kramer is at One Market in San Francisco. Pre-market's a little soft. Coming off that late afternoon bounce on Monday, going to be a busy couple of days for central banks. Got a two-day Fed meeting beginning, some hot inflation data out of Germany and Japan. Our roadmap begins with the Fed waiting game. Futures are lower as investors digest this conflicting corporate view on the macro. Plus, Ford shares are going to be down, at least in the early going here. The company warns of an extra $1 billion in supply chain costs that it suffered during the third quarter. And a SPAC swan song, Chamath Palapatia is shuttering two tech-focused SPACs. This after, of course, not finding anyone to acquire. Let's begin with the markets, though, uh, and the Fed. Jim, uh, expectations, you know, we already got Sweden out with 100 basis points, and it's going to be a, a waiting game all around the world, actually, next couple of days. Sweden playing catch-up. I think what's important, Carl, is, as everyone does admit, this two-year Treasury, which continues to flirt with four. Uh, what does matter here is something that I disagree with Leon Koopman on. Uh, Lee was a previous guest, and he was talking about uh, really kind of saying nothing that, that was very compelling about only the four, the, uh, something that yields 4% in two years. But, David, you know if you can buy something 98.07, you know, in other words, buy a, a piece of paper at a big discount where you can make a lot of money in two years' time, it certainly is better than owning, let's say, the average stock in the S&P. You believe that right now? Well, uh, 4%, I think if you have new money, uh, unless you can beat that in yield, of which you can in the oils, I think it's a very tough sell. That's one of the reasons why I didn't trust yesterday's rally. You need to see a real reversal. You need to see that piece of paper go back to three and a half. At three and a half, then you would feel, wow, I made a big mistake trying to buy that versus, say, uh, a typical yield on a, say, a Verizon. But you know, David, that a lot of the yields are from stocks that are big that stocks are going down and the dividend is giving you a bigger yield. That's not, David, the way you want to get more income. No, it is not. Um, and yeah, that, the appreciation of the yield is just incredible, the movement in that two year in particular. Um, you know, Jim, where do you go? I mean, it, it does this pull investors to the fixed income markets? You know, we pointed out a number of times and it's important to do so. This has been a terrible year, not just for stocks, but for people in bond funds as well given the move you're looking at right there and what that's obviously done to the prices. Um, but does this yield, let's call it 4% on a two-year, and the three and the 10-year even above 3.5, well above now, uh, pull money there that otherwise might end up in the equity markets? Well, I think you, i got to distinguish between the 10s. The 10-year, ten, uh, to me, that's not real value. If the Fed keeps raising rates, you're going to lose a lot of money on that piece of paper. But at least with the two-year, you can be wrong uh, for uh, you know a couple and for 600, 700 for days, <laughs> and, and then you'll be right. So you get your money back. I think the more important issue, David, is, is that this thing's relentless. Uh, the run to, f- to four is probably the most punishing run I can recall for the two-year. Remember, 
You're talking about a piece of paper that basically was like a, your checking account. And now it is, it's juicy. Uh, when uh, someone sits down with a financial advisor and says, what should I buy? I think what they say is, look, let's park it in the two-year. Let's figure out what the Fed's going to do. I mean, Carl, the, the Fed at this point, let's say they take it to 75 basis points. Well, that piece of paper is going to go down. In other words, the yield's going to go still higher. So I just think it's something to watch because it's just so competitive. And I keep coming back, Carl, to something I said yesterday to David, and David seemed a little quizzical about it, which is I think the Fed wants your portfolio lower. I think the Fed wants it so that you're not making as much money. I think the Fed wants you to go back to work. Uh, It's interesting, Jim. Uh, As we're talking, Microsoft with a little div hike here. I know Stratega said that the percentage of the S&P yielding above the two-year now 16% of the S&P. That's the lowest since 06. But, Jim, yesterday, um, J.P. Morgan Kalanovic, who's been relentlessly bullish, says better-than-expected earnings growth is reminding investors that equities represent a real asset class that does offer protection against inflation. And let's well, just, I, as long as these earnings hold in. But I like what Lee Cooperman said. And again, I work with him at Goldman Sachs. He said, forget the, the averages. There are real good situations in the marketplace. And one of the things he mentioned was a dramatic overweight in the oils. And the reason is, of course, is because some of the oils have changed their strategy and they're just returning capital 13, 14, 15 percent. And that makes sense to me. Uh, That view you just outlined, Carl, I I think is too glib and too positive. Yeah. Well, Jim, one thing we've been talking about last couple of days was your interview. They're all all related to your interviews. (laughs) Friday was FedEx. Then Monday you had Home Depot. And now you've got into it. The last two, of course, failing to really ratify the gloomy view uh, from what FedEx told you on Friday. Let's take a listen to this. When we look at those elements now versus even pre-pandemic, they're actually quite healthy. Now, they're healthy because unemployment is low. Right. Cash balances have generally been uh, strong for consumers um, along these uh, times. Now, but inflation is real. I mean, people are paying more for food. They're paying more for gas. They're paying more uh, for rent. The reality is we do need to get this environment under control. We just have to be very thoughtful in how we do it so that we don't go from the strong unemployment that we have to high unemployment, because that ultimately is what impacts consumer spending. We're fortunate we have a slightly different consumer. All right, you saw the consumer numbers were up, retail sales were up last month, but we have a resilient customer. Our customer tends to have strong income. They tend to be homeowners. Jim, do you think as uh, the FedEx interview gets more and more in the rearview mirror that it is less systemic? Look, I think the FedEx, I still believe 30% of his uh, problems inflicted on FedEx by FedEx. Uh, 70% is macro, but a lot of that I think is to be China and Europe, a little less the United States. Uh, I think these are still case by case. Uh, Ted Decker at Home Depot, obviously the customers of the pro, the pro and wealthier, they have houses. Uh, Mr. Godarzy into it. I found it uh, incredible that the small business person is still doing well, but everyone admits to inflation. Everybody, including Ted Decker. I was watching a lot of lumber there, and I know that lumber goes up and down. But in the end, a lot of the products they sell have gone up in price. David, well, here's what I see. I think Jay Powell listens to these interviews, at least theoretically has someone listen to the interviews, and comes back and says, you know what? There are so many people doing well, and there's so much uh, 
full employment, so to speak, people have jobs, it's worth it to press the bet in order to be able to lower inflation. Everyone wants to lower inflation. There was a time in these interviews, David, where people just said, look, I don't know what they're talking about with inflation. Now they're saying, listen, we hope you can lower inflation and not have so many layoffs. And I think that that's a very interesting theme. Because what they're saying is there will be layoffs if, if the Fed goes too far, even though the economy is very strong. And that's what most people are worried about. Right. But if they go too far, the economy won't be very strong because there'll be layoffs. Exactly. Well, it is circular reasoning. But the idea is, no doubt about it, I continue to come back and say, Jay Powell wants you to feel uh, less secure. He needs to find these people who left what, the workforce. What? I don't what? know I just, where they I just are. Don't, just, you I don't still... I am still somewhat quizzical about this this uh, this theme that you've been sounding the last couple of days. The idea well, that somebody it, who was working on an assembly line uh, at, a, at, a, at an auto plant somehow has enough money that they have stayed out of the workforce and are now going to come back to the workforce. Uh, I, I'm not following this this reasoning here, Jim. Well, look, I'm getting it from people like Jim Farley. And I know we're going to talk about Ford, but the hourly workers, a lot of them didn't come back and we're trying to figure out where they are. Jim Farley's trying to figure out where they are. Jay Powell has figured out where they are, which is that they're at home. They have a lot of savings. They've done well. Their home is worth more. And they're sitting this one out. Now, I think the idea of sitting this one out for two, three-year uh, hiatus is too much. Carl, people don't have that much money. Uh, but the if you speak to the CEOs about where the hourly workers went, what they keep saying over and over again is they don't need to work. How long can you not need to work before you say, you know what, I do have to join the labor force, and that is going to maybe keep wage, the wage increases down? Yeah, uh, they, they, they got to make uh, job hopping uh, less economical. But I don't know Absolutely. if you saw Amex yesterday, Jim, hiring another 1,500 workers in tech, mostly in the United States, and they've already hired nearly 4,000 this year. Voracious hiring. Uh, racist hiring and lots of and American Express is experiential and travel still remains the strongest part of the economy. It was interesting that when FedEx spoke, what they were saying is the reason why packaging is doing so well is people keep going places. Uh, we know this is the nine wedding per year uh, blockage where we're just not seeing the acquisitions that we did. David, I think what's so interesting about about Amazon is that how did they pick up more prime members? By something like watching football on Thursday night. Again, it's not because there's more shopping. It's because there's more viewing. That does matter. No doubt it does. And it's actually an interesting conversation to have at some point as well about the power of sports, the importance of sports to the bundle, certainly in keeping people there, the uh, increase in, in, in rights fees and what that's going to look like, and the success in the early days here, Jim, of, uh, of sports on streaming, obviously with the NFL. But... I know we also want to get to Ford, uh, which we've been looking at, uh, Carl, well, because yeah, Jim, of those numbers. Jim mentioned it on the Q3 EBIT guidance, of course, uh, the billion-dollar hit uh, to increase supplier costs and part shortages, Jim. But they, they do keep the full-year EBIT guide uh, constant, so there is some discussion this morning about maybe it's a timing issue with the number of cars they were able to get off the lot. Well, I think it's actually a, a, a very... Um, I don't want to say ethereal uh, issue, but they have 40,000, 50,000 of the very expensive, best margin trucks and uh, larger vehicles that they don't have the nameplates for. I mean, it's not semiconductor. It's absolutely not semiconductor. It's other parts that are not even low. They're not even tech. It's actually things like 
if you have a Bronco like my daughter has and don't have the name Bronco. We're beginning to see bizarre shortages that are uh, one off. And I think that's the problem. Now, the billion dollar charge is very similar to what the other auto companies are doing, which is that suppliers are basically making agreements with these different companies like Ford. And there's a true up, basically, where you end up having to pay the supplier more because of the increase in price. My checks with Ford are very interesting. And, David, this is what's so worrisome for J-PAL. Not a single bit of decline in price. Nothing. Mm -hmm. So, once again, you have wages going up. People keep talking about the railroads and how much they had to give. You do not have parts coming down. The only decline in inflation I got was from a company that I often talk about, David, that I think you think doesn't really exist, which is Dutch Bros, where they're seeing some stabilization <laughs> in some of the raw costs when it comes to the annihilator and other I actually costs. watched some of your interview last night with Dutch Bros. 1.8 million average, 1.8 million, right? Per Well, you uh, want a Dutch store. Bros. When they come to New York, right? you Isn't and I right? buy That's a franchise. We'll disclose that we're buying it. We'll buy it because the, the, the incredible amount of money each franchise makes over a very small format. But uh, they do have some, uh, it's not as bad job hopping. This is a gigantic uh, chain that exists as far north as uh, Tennessee. Uh, and I just don't think that they were on last time that I spoke with them. And man, they were talking about inflation. They were not talking about runaway inflation this time, which Carl was a godsend. But everybody else is still talking about it. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. Uh, this German PPI number today is pretty insane. Uh, the, the, Europe's got some issues, that's for sure, Jim. When we come back, uh, the investor dubbed by some as the SPAC king pulling back. Uh, Chamath Palapatia's decision to unwind two of those SPACs. Bunch of calls today on Amazon, Nike, PayPal, Tesla, Etsy. We'll talk to Jim about the Eagles last night when we come back after a break. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create. Like Olu Shei, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. SPAC King Chamath Palahapatiya uh, unwinding two of his SPACs. Of course, he has brought many companies public through uh, that vehicle. One of, uh, one of the main forces behind sort of the broad embrace in the capital markets that we saw some two years ago and the speculation that followed. Uh, as many of our viewers may know, given how often we've talked about it, you usually buy the shares of a SPAC that goes public at $10 per share. 
Uh, and then the SPAC, or the sponsor, in this case, Mr. Paul Apatia, has roughly two years to find a deal in which you get an opportunity as a shareholder to essentially vote on or even get a redemption even if you vote in favor. Um, but if you don't find a deal, you give the money back. You can ask for an extension, but in this case, at least for two of his packs, he's not doing that. Uh, and so uh, he's unwinding to not a big surprise, of course, because time is going by here. And in fact, when you look at the broader SPAC universe, here are some numbers from our friends at SPAC Analytics, who we've relied on now for, for a couple of years. There are still, this is the numbers that are shocking. 550 SPACs are still looking for a deal. It's almost laughable, the idea that they're going to be able to find one. 550. Now, some are smaller SPACs. They raised 100 million bucks or something along those lines. They might have a pipe that gets into a larger number. Um, but still, the idea that they're going to be successful, highly unlikely, certainly in this current environment especially. We've had 113 liquidations so far, but we've still got a pipeline of 164 SPACs that still want to come public. So they still want to come public at the $10 a share to give themselves that two years to look for a deal. Uh, we do have 20 that will be liquidated in less than 30 days. In other words, they're coming to the end without finding a deal, uh, and they are going to liquidate. We're going to see a lot more of that, uh, as you might expect, given uh, it's starting the calendar, you know, it's starting to anniversary or two-year anniversary for many. That's a look at why, in part, you may not find a deal, and if you do, your shareholders may not love it. Uh, post back, which is looks at, not, you know, after the deal has closed, how has the stock performed? Now, to be fair, many IPOs from the same vintage have not performed well either. Uh, but you're down over 60% if you uh, bought. However, if you are Mr. Palahapatia, well, you're not down 60% or even close. You're up big. And that, of course, is something we've talked about a lot as well. The promotes that many of the sponsors get for a fraction of the market value, obviously, uh, that the uh, investors are paying, um, you know, either Class A or Class B and the warrants that go along with it. Here's a quick look, for example, uh, at uh, his SPACs that he backed that are out there in the current market. And we can take a look at some of them. Virgin Galactic, remember, he sold out of most of that. 10.5 million shares that cost him less than 17,000 bucks. Open door, by the way, down yesterday, in part because things don't look like they're trending well in that business. 6.28 million shares for 15 grand. Clover Health, sorry for the misspelling there, 17 million shares, let's call it, for 20 grand, and SoFi as well. You can take a look at the stocks. I think we may have some of the charts also uh, for these, or just look where they are, all right? None of them are anywhere near 10. Um, you can see SoFi, the best performer, and that's still down, what, some 40% from where it was. Paula Hapatia uh, did appear at our Delivering Alpha conference in 2021. He has been one of the, as I've said, great promoters of his time. Uh, you got to give him that a lot of other things too. This is what he had to say at the time. I'm going to get a lot of credit when things go up and then I'm going to get a lot of the blame when things go down. I think we all have to take a step back and say we are one year in to a pretty meaningful revolution in the capital markets that will take years to play out. And so I would love for those same people to rewrite that article in three years and five years and see what it says. What do you think it's going to say in three years or five years, Jim? Yeah, David, uh, there was a fellow. Uh, he was I kind of tangentially related to Wall Street. His name is P.T. Barnum. And there's a sucker born every minute. And the people who buy these SPACs, they're dealing with P.T. Barnum. And I think it's okay to say 
this whole idea of this is a stacked deck against people. The fact that there's still 164 to do, the fact that there's 505. It's, it's, I'm not calling it a fraud because that's a technical term. I'm just saying that you've been fooled over and over again and that the public should just not be fooled. There will be SPACs that make money. There are times when you hit, uh, you have five and a six and, you, uh, and you're playing blackjack and you, you hit a face card. But for the most part, I'm going to say it, this is a rigged deal against the people who watch the show. Um, now, the, the terms on many SPACs have changed, certainly for those that are considering going public. Sponsor economics are nowhere near what they were during this heady period uh, that they were able to get many of these, their SPACs public that then went and did deals. Open Door, obviously, remember how long he spent on our air oh. talking about the benefits of Open Door. Um, that said, I will, if you were in one of these SPACs, Jim, and you went in at 10 and you're getting liquidated back at 10, you're flat. That's a lot better than being in the stock market. So there is well, that. Well, sure, that's flat. <laughs> look, I'm getting 4%. Uh, when it comes to the two-year, I just want to go back to the idea that this was just a terrible thing that happened to the individual investors. And one of the things that's happened with the SEC is they, they do disclosure. They can't say and don't do these. Uh, I know we did. David, you talked endlessly about the idea that these are really terrible. It's so easy to lose money in stocks that are in the SP 500. To come up with a brand new way to lose money is just so cynical. This is just an incredibly cynical, I'm not, again, uh, extremely ill-advised for anyone to, to take advantage of this. There will be people who say, Jim, did you not see the so-and-so pack that made money? There's always something that makes money. Uh, it, but this was like, uh, uh, th- th- this was just perpetrated on individuals and it, it, it just a horrible. I'm so angry about this. The arrogance of these people. They, I hope when they go to the supermarket, people look at them and say, I don't want anything to do with that person. Literally jump the line. If there's only two people, I'd go to an eight-person line if one of those people in the supermarket. Well, the money was sloshing around, Jim, and people had nothing but time. Uh, it's hard to put us back in that frame of mind where we were. Thank uh, heavens for Jay, pal. At least he's making it so this, this stuff can't go on anymore. I really dislike uh, the people who did this. Uh, don't forget, uh, CNBC's Delivering Alpha Investor Summit returns in person on September 28th. You can meet with economic leaders, policymakers, and the world's best investors. To register, go to cnbcevents.com slash delivering dash alpha. In the meantime, take a look at futures. Let's get this opening bell in seven minutes. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. It's a bit of a Fed waiting game uh, today and tomorrow, but plenty of cross currents in the meantime. There's more discussion about Hong Kong reopening, uh, some hot inflation numbers, especially out of Germany overnight, uh, some rapidly, haste, almost hastily scheduled uh, referendums reported if regarding uh, annexation in the Donbass region of Ukraine. We'll get Kramer's mad dash ahead of the opening bell in just a moment. All right, quick mad dash before we get to an opening bell. This stock still has, a, or a company has $170 billion market value, but is down 30% for the year. We are talking, Jim, about 
Nike. 28 times earnings. Barclays has a great piece today, downgrading from buy to hold. What I think is really interesting about this one, David, once again, you had a rally in Nike. Uh, you keep getting these rallies. Uh, then there's people who downgrade it. Why? Because China just can't be made up by the United States. And what tells me yesterday about why this was a phony rally is a stock like Nike is up really big for no reason whatsoever. You need a reason. We didn't get it. Good downgrade. Guys, let's get the opening bell here and the CNBC real-time exchange. At the big board, it's Nuveen Investments, celebrating 35 years of listing closed and funds. At the NASDAQ, Sumo Logic, a SaaS analytics platform. Uh, Jim, watching the two-year, getting uh, awfully close once again to 4%. And, of course, yesterday, along with the 10-year hitting multi-year highs, I guess that's going to be a, a source of continued pressure. Yeah, I mean, look, I think that people have always used the two-year ever since I got into business as a proxy for what the Fed's going to do. And as the two-year climbs to, well, bonds go down, yield climbs to four, I think that is indicative of people feeling that the Fed's not going to stop at 0.75, and that only if you buy that piece of paper now, you will not beat the, right, the guy who just has it in cash. Uh, because cash is going to trade much higher. Uh, that would be just an incredible thing in terms of the stock market because I think there's a lot of people who say, why should I buy a single stock? Uh, because maybe I'm going to get five. So I, I think that this piece of paper has to stop going up in yield before we have an, an honest rally. It could happen, though, after the Fed, if the Fed says, you know what, we're going to wait, but we see actual signs of weakness in inflation. My problem is, is, other than commodity inflation, Carl, I don't see the weakness that I want. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a long list of commodity uh, deflation, lumber, copper, oil, gold, uh, iron, freight. Uh, but you're right about housing and wages. It's, it's where we are. Uh, it was interesting, uh, uh, David, to get the journal piece yesterday by Nick Timoros, in which he said Powell actually scrapped and redid his Jackson Hole speech at the last minute to say, look, I'm going to make this as plain as possible. We are not done yet. And we have been suffering in the equity markets ever since, yeah. um, more or less. I forget if it's going to be three weeks or four weeks this Friday. But, uh, yeah, that was very clear. Uh, it's interesting, of course, that he did choose to make himself even clearer in case we were missing the message, Carl. Uh, as for some winners today, uh, though, Jim, you mentioned uh, China and the hopes at least that Macau uh, may start to loosen up. Uh, the Hong Kong leader says he's looking for uh, an orderly opening, maybe changing some rules on hotel quarantine. Las Vegas Sands and winner at the top today. Right. My travel trust owns win. It's been abysmal. I listened to a lot of people come on uh, the network in the last few days. They're doing great. I mean, everything goes right for them. I think, God love them. Uh, we bought win. Uh, then we had the COVID wave and the stock's been hurt. Hey, David, you know, it's funny. For my trust, I buy stocks that some of which go down. How do these other people get everything right, David? I, I just, I can't do, how do people bat a thousand? Nobody bats a thousand, Jim, you know that. No, I hear them come on. They're batting a thousand. It's really great. Like, does Trout say, hey, the, the, these guys are amazing. Can they play for the Mets? These people come on. Um, as you well know, Jim, uh, you know, we bring on lots of billionaire investors, um, but really many of them, their greatest strength is not in investing, it's in raising the money, bringing the money in, in promoting. That is a very important component of having a successful career on Wall Street. I've got to start no doing that. No doubt about it. 
sell, uh, but sell, see, sell, unfortunately, baby. my picks are public. Yeah, they are. Uh, but are you I feeling bad them? about your picks right now? Are you, are you getting defensive here? What, what, no, or, you know. no. I'm well getting defensive in that I'm buying stocks like Humana, I'm buying stocks like the drug stocks, but uh, I have stocks like Wynn that were bad, and I think that every investment manager comes on with short win, and I was long win. I'm just saying that that basically, David, uh, I'm not in the promote business. But if I were, holy cow, I could really just say, you know, the only stock I own is Wynn, and I bought it yesterday. Well, a lot, of the, uh, laggards, a lot of the laggards today, Jim, are sort of sell-side research-specific. Western <laughs> Didge at Deutsche, PayPal at Susquehanna, Weyerhaeuser, B of A, Nike, you mentioned at Barclays. They're all downgrades today, and they're all on the loser list. Well, you find uh, this market is... Uh, it really colored by the fact that analysts were way too bullish. So the, the price targets are too high. They stayed long Western Digital. Western Digital, every single day, Carl, has gotten worse. PayPal, they've got a division brain tree that's doing better than the rest and it's moving, uh, basically lowering their um, gross margin. I, did I just see? I, I, I think I just saw Com, 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 Comcast on that list, David. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, J.P. Morgan on Comcast today uh, is tough. Uh, they actually reiterate the neutral at a 45 target, David, but they do take uh, Q3 broadband down from flat to minus 10K, um, despite some of these better capital returns. I mean, household formation is it's a, it's a sticky issue. It is. It's still sort of uneven coming out of the pandemic. Um, that's sort of a new, I think, a new low for our parent company, or at least a new recent low. Uh, stock of which is down, as you guys know, uh, 32 plus percent uh, for the last 12 months. Uh, excuse me, looking at the wrong name here. Uh, down, yeah, actually, it is down 33 percent for, for year to date. Um, you know, for Comcast, the challenges are obviously uh, twofold. You've got this side of the business and challenges, perhaps in the ad market and/or as well, sort of in cable networks overall, and then the growth of DTC and how much you're going to spend. But to, to Carl's point, what I guess is the focus of this research piece is how much competition is there uh, for broadband? And is there real competition from fixed wireless, from the likes of T-Mobile and even Verizon in terms of using their 5G service and, and creating a real alternative that is delivered to the house wirelessly? Unclear, but it does seem to be eating away uh, uh, to a certain extent. Uh, as you take a look at shares of T-Mobile, one of the few outperformers amongst these connectivity companies, so to speak. But uh, Comcast shares uh, getting hit again, Jim. We talked about it a bit yesterday as well as you were going off on Disney. We were sort of discussing uh, Comcast, which has, uh, has been a very poor performer so far. I think you got to come up with a, a, a new business. And by the way, that's not something desperate. The company periodically, David, I remember during the period when they, I was watching you when they were buying ATT. And it was incredible that that deal came together. And the deal, just remember, was considered to be almost impossible to do. So, David, an acquisition that is not anti-competitive, maybe even in, say, messaging or something where they can do something telco, uh, that would work. Yeah, I mean, our company does has, have a history, of course, of doing deals. The latest one was the Sky deal. We did, uh, uh, Comcast not able to obviously pry Fox away from Disney, but did get Sky. And there is always that possibility. Um, you're right to mention antitrust to a certain extent, though, and a question as to whether or what you can actually do. Of course, remember the old Time Warner Cable deal was turned down. 
Um, what would be allowed by the regulators in terms of getting larger in a horizontal sense is always a key. And then another question is, is there something to be done with the content assets in some way? either through a spinoff or reverse Mars trust transaction with another company to create scale perhaps that you need in direct-to-consumer that isn't quite there yet. Um, does the Roberts family want to maintain control in such a, a potential transaction? But Jim, it's not clear that we're near anything. Electronic Arts was real. There was a real consideration of that potential deal. It obviously did not get anywhere near the finish line. Uh, but when you do talk about our parent company, Comcast, you do have to think about the possibility of deals. And of course, the company was made on that ability to pry, amazingly enough, AT&T broadband out of the old AT&T. This is going back many years. Uh, of course, we're talking about the Michael Armstrong years, but that was a key deal. Well, David, you know that if Comcast could do something in fixed wireless, the Justice Department would bless it because they want more competitors. And I think it's yeah. really unbelievably clear to me that if Comcast were to do something that made it so that they could also have a competitor to T-Mobile, Verizon, uh, and ATT, the government would love that. So uh, let's not leave yeah. off the table the idea of a pro-competitive acquisition. It could happen and be no. good for Comcast. And by the way, uh, both Comcast and Charter are competing very vigorously in the wireless market. I mean, anybody right. who watches sports, you see those endless uh, the Spectrum ads, uh, for example. Uh, and that is potentially uh, helping the consumer. Guys, a good jumping off point for me in terms of talking antitrust this morning, because we do have an important story that we haven't gotten to yet, which is namely that the government has lost. Uh, the Department of Justice was trying to block uh, United Healthcare's ability to uh, deal to buy change healthcare. Uh, they're in sort of, let's call it the information services part of healthcare, helping understand kind of uh, billing and, and, and patient resources and a lot of different things. Deal's going to happen. Uh, and of course, as you might expect, uh, change healthcare stock is moving up. Um, judge said, you know, I don't see it. It, they, it was uh, um, trying to block a vertical deal. And uh, that has always proved to be difficult for the government. Think uh, AT&T and Time Warner more recently. And you can see the reaction there. Um, the DOJ, for its part, put a statement out just a moment ago saying, quote, we respectfully disagree with the court's decision and are reviewing the opinion closely to evaluate next steps. Protecting competition, access to affordable health care is of the utmost importance to the antitrust division. Uh, they could appeal. They could even, in fact, uh, you know, seek an injunction from an appeals court, not allowing the deal to go forward. The companies probably wait 10 days, see, and then most likely close, um, even in the face of a potential appeal. Uh, but any number of other deals also kind of impacted. UNH is also in a deal to buy, or a, buy LHCG, that's sort of a nursing care. Uh, that stock is probably going to is uh, higher, I believe. Let's take a look. Yeah. Uh, you've got the Signify Health CVS deal. Remember, people wondering about that as well. Would DOJ? potentially, or the government try to block any of these deals. And then even the Amazon deals. iRobot got a second request. It's unclear exactly what the competitive implications there are. Maybe the vacuum goes around your house and sees things and reports back to Amazon about things they see or maybe you need, you know, maybe you need a new couch. Maybe the rug's not looking too good. I don't know. Um, one Medical is another one. But, you know, Jim, we've talked a great deal about a key gating issue on M&A being regulatory scrutiny, heightened regulatory scrutiny by both Jonathan Kenner at the DOJ, Lena Khan at the FTC. But companies may be more willing to go to court 
and as is the case here, win. And in fact, this, uh, this ruling came a bit sooner than we'd anticipated, I should point out. Uh, I have to admit that I was surprised at this. I told you that I felt that antitrust could prevail. Uh, the judiciary's changed. Uh, there are many judges who are very pro-business. And you're right, David. I, a lot of the judges that were put in by President Trump would, I really just don't favor anything that, that a canner might be doing or a uh, Lena at FTC. So, David, you have, good, you have a really good point here, which is that we have a history of antitrust being active and you, the judiciary sometimes at odds. That was just a really good call. Uh, how did it happen, David, that they drew uh, uh, someone in just they drew someone in the judiciary who basically has said, wait, are you kidding me? Come on, hey, let's have mergers. How many judges are out there that are pro-merger? Well, you know, listen, it it really does depend on the case, too. And in this case, uh, you know, people who are watching it closely tell me the government's arguments and their opinion were flawed and were not were not uh, particularly uh, effective um, because it was outside. And this is the key for the DOJ. They're kind of outside the traditional arguments that have been made in terms of anti-competitive deals, right? When you argue against a vertical deal, you're sort of, you're saying that right away. It's not horizontal. It's not like you're just taking market share and putting it together. So, Jim, we'll have to see on a case-by-case basis. But, um, you know, right now in this market, price may be as much or more of a gating issue than regulatory, though I don't want to in any way minimize, Carl, the impact that, uh, that the FTC and DOJ's aggressive oh, stance is having. I think it was B of A over the weekend that said, given ARM, uh, ATVI and Figma, could this be a record quarter for m and that got blocked? And oh. they were only half joking, I think. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, the big one is Microsoft and, and Activision. And there, even though the arguments against, again, may be seen as, as failing to some extent, you do have Sony being very aggressive and sort of push, pushing their case both here and at the EU. So, you know, again, we'll have to see. Each, each deal on its own merits. But companies may be willing to just say, I'm going to go to court because I can win. And I've got the time. Right? Yes. I've got the patience. Jim, well, I, I just want to touch on Amazon. Yeah. I, I do want to get to Amazon really quick before we get to Pisani. Uh, today, it's Morgan Stanley uh, that does uh, reiterate the overweight. That NFL uh, Thursday night game, Jim, record number of new prime sub signups in a three-hour period. Uh, that's clearly all being done by the fact that they've got uh, eyeballs in football. Well, I've got to tell you, I think a lot of people felt that they paid $13 billion, uh, for NFL, and that was a big overpay. Uh, when I look at these numbers, if Andy Jassy were right now, I think he'd say, hey, we made it back in one game. Pretty amazing. <laughs> this is really good. Uh, Amazon's down, of course, S&P. Everything's down. You know, it's like, all right, take everything down. I mean, we're dealing with a market where it is so binary. I mean, there's great news in Amazon. There's great news in Microsoft with that div hike. And people just say, I don't care about that. Don't you know about the two-year? I think most of the people who are selling don't even know that this thing called the two-year. Like They always say, like, what's a two-year? It's getting overdone. It's not there yet. The Fed could say something very negative. But the idea that Amazon stock is down is totally because of the two-year. That was a big win for Amazon. David, you know that people in regular broadcasts felt that Amazon overpaid for that deal. Yeah. I think it's, it's, a, it's a key issue. Uh, obviously, the NFL, the most valued property, but the NBA is coming up soon, too, in terms of what do you do? Do you renew with the, with the linear cable providers? 
uh, or do you consider going with the streamers or in some way? And as the streamers are able to incorporate sports and perhaps news to some extent, news doesn't pull people in, but it keeps them, uh, uh, you know, does their offering become so robust that the bundle even unwinds more quickly? Uh, these are key considerations, I think. It really is incredible. You have doubleheader games last night, and it's all about uh, just making people feel like I've got to sign up for, uh, in this case, the Eagles game for Disney, uh, Disney Plus for ESPN. And people just can't get enough of, of, of pro sports. It's, a, it's, the only one, it's the only thing that has really transcended the couch. People are still willing to do it at home. It's not with video games. Carl, I, I, the draw of professional sports and of football in particular is amazing, and don't forget what's really driving it, gambling. And I don't think we can talk enough about gambling because the companies themselves don't even realize, seem to realize what they've got. It's a gold right. mine, and they don't seem to want it to, to mine it. No, the upsets uh, and the comebacks don't hurt. By the way, Hurts, 26 for 31, Jim. Uh, runs yeah. in for two scores. Uh, last four games, Allen's 100 for 131. I mean, it's an exciting game, and, and they're putting yeah. points up. The, I went right to like Howie that. Roseman. General manager of the Eagles, he goes, nothing better than winning a game and sipping Fosforo to celebrate, but one week at a time, big division game versus Washington Sunday uh, onward. And his Fosforo is Mezcal. His wife, Mindy, is a partner with my wife, Lisa, in the Mezcal business. So there we go. Howard, uh, Howie relentlessly promoting. <laughs> relentlessly promoting. Really nice. Uh, we are down, but we're still holding uh, Monday's lows. Let's get to Bob Bassani. Hey, Bob. Hi, guys. Uh, Jim's right. The uh, two years a proxy for what the Fed is doing, and it's just killing us. Uh, take a look at the S&P two days. This is another day, another failed rally. Remember we're up 20 points at the close yesterday? Boom, all the way back down again here. So you, uh, if you would have bought at the close yesterday, you're losing again. And we have these failed rallies. They don't go anywhere. Take a look at the sectors today. Yesterday, we had a great rally in the metal stocks. Freeport, Mosaic, they were all doing well. Put down again today. Tech, most big cap techs down about 1%. Consumer staples, relative outperformer, but you see not much. And even healthcare, um, which has held up pockets of it, have held up uh, again down uh, today. So look, just let me show you Freeport McMurray. This is a good example here. Been floundering around for a couple of months now. It was it went from $28 to $30 yesterday, Freeport, and now it's down just about a dollar today. So there, there you get an idea of like no ability to put any kind of rallies together, essentially, you just kind of come right back down uh, after moving here. So the conundrum for the market is very simple right now. We may have peak uh, inflation may or may not, but we certainly don't have peak Fed hawkishness. And the bottom line is you're not going to get a convincing rally until we get at least close to some kind of Fed pause. We don't have that. It's not even clear right now. And we don't know how long inflation is going to persist. So all this talk about a terminal Fed fund rate, it doesn't mean anything because it just keeps moving. The target just keeps moving. So we don't have enough information to make a determination right now. I was very heartened, though, and, and kudos to Jim for getting the right interviews. The Intuit CEO, and in the wake of the, the, the FedEx uh, uh, apocalyptic comments, uh, Intuit's talking to Jim, consumer strong despite inflation. Home Depot's CEO also uh, our consumer, our customer, pro and do-it-yourself have been resilient. And Amex spoke last week at the Barclays conference, said that international spending was higher in Q3 with increased travel this summer. So I don't see anything close to the apocalyptic comments that FedEx had. And I, I think that's a good sign overall uh, for the markets. Let's see what Nike says. You know, Jim mentioned Nike. Uh, they're going to report next week on the 29th. Uh, and we did get the Barclays downgrade today to uh, one. 
10 and they downgraded it to most remember most analysts continue to have a buy on Nike. Look at this chart. It's a disaster this year. In fact, it's the third worst performer in the Dow. It's down about 35 percent this year. So maybe Intel was a worse performer this year uh, in the Dow. Uh, Salesforce probably also was number two. But Nike was number three uh, in terms of the worst performers this year. There you go. Uh, Walgreens Boots Alliance. So uh, mostly still buys on these stocks uh, for Nike. We'll see. Uh, good kudos at least for uh, Barclays for downgrading at this point. Finally, just a note on buybacks. We got some official numbers from S&P Global. We had some preliminary numbers a couple weeks ago. Uh, buybacks in Q2 a little bit lower than the first quarter because a lot of the banks kind of strangely did not do as much buybacks as people thought. But the 12-month uh, record there, Carl, $1 trillion for uh, the 12-month uh, record. Uh, to June 2022, and the usual suspects, Apple, Alphabet, Microsoft, Meta, even Exxon was a pretty big buyback uh, company uh, last quarter. Carl, back to you. Thank you very much, uh, Bob Bassani. As we go to break here this morning, let's check out the bond report, see how treasuries are faring. Ten-year, uh, 358, awfully close. Uh, Two-year continues to flirt with four. Overall, Dow's down a percent. Uh, all S&P sectors are red. VIX near 27, and only about 20 or so names on the S&P are in the green. Jib wants on Matt tonight. Well, I'd like to interview the two-year, but they're not talking, refuse to give me any <laughs> answer at all. So I have NVIDIA, Johnson & Johnson, and Mark Benioff from Salesforce. Uh, they're all good, but the, when, if I can get the two-year to call me back, I'm going to drop everything and play the two-year. <laughs> I, think, I think viewers might want to hear from uh, Mark and Jensen instead, but we'll see, Jim. We'll see you tonight. Mad Thank Money, you. Uh, 6 p.m. Eastern time. As we do have some opening weakness, uh, Dow down 370 here, S&P 3854. Don't go away. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.